Amen. I had a, a, a new experience uh, this morning when we were worshiping. I hurt my shoulder. So I was thinking to myself, was I worshiping hard or am I getting that old? What, what a wonderful time and worship this morning. I love worshiping with the saints. I love the song um, that we just sang, um, I'm going to see your victory. And I love what it says, but I'm going to correct one word in the song, and I'm going to tell you why. So we're singing, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turned it for our good. The actual should say, meant it for our good. I'm going to tell you the difference in that. God is not a reactionary God. It is not that the devil does something to us, and then God is saying, hey, I got to fix that. That's not the way it works. You, you see, the, the devil is on a tight leash. And whatever he's allowed to do, God is using it for your good. He meant it for your good. He allowed it to happen, and he's doing something in that. You need to know that, saints. Even those small words, they matter. It means something. It changes the whole thing. Amen? And it's not that I don't want Heather to sing that song. Maybe we're going to change that word in that song. But not next service because i got to tell them the same thing. So it really registers. <laughs> You're not going to forget that now, are you? We're going to start a new um, sermon series this morning called All Eyes on Jesus. We're going to find ourselves in Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to be reading out of the CSB, and we're going to start reading at verse 11. But one of the things I was thinking about when uh, preparing this message is how often we wish we knew what would happen tomorrow. If, if we knew what would happen in our tomorrows, you would think what we would do um, influenced by that and how we handle it today. In, in, in other words, if we knew who our kids were going to be tomorrow, we wouldn't be so stressed out today. Right? So one of the things I was thinking about is um, one of the contentious things Jesse and I, when we just met, was I was always a Knicks fan. And the Knicks haven't won since, I want to say, 1973. Jesse was always a Bulls fan because they had Michael Jordan. In the 84 draft, the first person to go in the draft his name was Sam Bowie. Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. Most people haven't heard of him. But you know who came after him who was selected? Charles Barkley, John Stockton, and Michael Jordan. 
if the scout would have knew what and who Michael Jordan was going to be, and somebody got Jordans on in here right now, you ain't got no buoys on right now, it would influence what you do today. If we had future insight about the results of decisions that we made yesterday and all the different things that those decisions would affect, it would change what we did at that time. The thing is, there are certain things that you already have the information on what's going to happen tomorrow. You know that you reap what you sow. In other words, the things that you do today are going to affect what happens tomorrow. And although we know that, at times we don't live as if that principle exists. You know that you're not promised tomorrow. We've lost people. We've lost people abruptly, and we recognize there's no guarantee I'm going to be here tomorrow. But often we live as if my tomorrow is guaranteed here on this earth. We know that one day we are going to stand before Jesus and give him an account of our lives. But often we don't live that way. You cannot wash your hands from these facts. They just are. Would you stand with me while we read Matthew chapter 27? And again, I'm going to start reading in verse 11 from the CSB. And the text reads, Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, You say so. While he was being accused by the chief priests, and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge. So the governor was quite amazed. At the festival of the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I suffered terribly in a dream because of him. 
The chief priests and elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all answered, crucify him. Then he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water. He washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. After having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Father, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for even the song that was sung this morning where we recognize was wicked men that brought, led Jesus to the cross. But you said that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world for us, O oh God. That was no reaction. That was your plan. That is your purpose, Lord. And you are doing something in that, Lord. Let us consider our days, Lord. Let us consider your words, Lord. Do a work in each one of our hearts and be glorified. Lord, change us, Lord. Don't let us be casual. Don't let us walk in here and then walk out the same way, Lord. We ask that your word would cut, would do surgery, Lord, would bring a change in us, would make us look more like Jesus every time we hear it. We petition you for that, and we're thanking you in advance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated, saints. So the text tells us that Pilate was well aware that he received Jesus. Jesus was handed over to him. He knew that it was because of envy. And as I thought about this text and thought about what we know of God, what we know of the end and recognizing that a man sat in a judge's seat over our Lord and Savior, over Jesus Christ, over God who was creator of all things. I said, wow, that is something. 
And one of the things my wife does when I'm up here is sometimes tell me, like, take a breath, slow down. Like, she has, like, hand signals that she uses. Because that's what wives do. They love their husbands, right? This woman warned her husband, this is a righteous man. Have no part in that. But often what happens in our lives when we are faced with things is we think about the temporal. We think about like what's going on today. And we don't consider all these other things that that decision is going to affect. When he asked them, this man has done no wrong. They said, crucify him. If you read the whole story, Pilate tried again and again and again to release Jesus. He tried every way he could, maybe even more than what you're recognizing in the text. And we're going to explore some of those things today. One of the things that he said was, I find no fault in him when he heard his testimony. Then, when he heard that he was from Galilee, he sent them to Herod. Let someone else deal with it. And Herod sent them back. So, he tried to convince the people. He tried to push the problem off on someone else, but both to no avail. The title of this message is, You Cannot Wash Your Hands of Jesus. No matter what, you are going to have to do something with Jesus. It says that when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but a riot was going to start instead, he took some water. And he washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. We are never in the position to be neutral. He had to make a decision. It was either I'm going to stand for this righteous man or I'm going to condemn him. He sat in the judge's seat. And on this side of eternity, so often, every day, we sit in the judge's seat. What am I going to do about this Jesus? What we say, what we do, and how we live determines what we're doing with Jesus. From the judge's seat. When you hear Jesus was on trial physically 
and someone was sitting there as rule. It does not make sense. This is the king of the universe. We do it every day in our heart. Every single day. I could hardly get through this part without my voice cracking. Once he said, I wash my hands of this. I am innocent of his blood. See to it yourselves. They said, the people, his blood be on us and on our children. Wow. The precious blood of Jesus. If they only understood how big that statement really is. Thank God that we can say that same sentence and mean it in a totally different way. It says then, he, meaning Pilate, release Barabbas and then had Jesus flogged and handed him over. Barabbas and him picking Barabbas was another way that Pilate was trying to get out of this mess. So, so he figured, I'm not going to pick just any old criminal. I'm going to pick a famous criminal that did things that everyone knows about. And when I say, hey, you have a choice, this guy that I'm saying hasn't done anything and you're not really presenting any good evidence or this guy that we all know about. He was trying, just like he did, sending him to Herod, just like he did, trying to convince them to let it go, let him go, to bring another situation where it says, hey, you don't want this guy to be released back into society, do you? No matter what you try to do, you cannot wash your hands from Jesus. You, you cannot. You have to deal with it. And if you notice, it came around again and again and again. No matter what he tried, he had to make a decision about what do we do with this Jesus, just like you. That's why it keeps coming up in your life, in every area of life. It's actually a grace of God where you're being confronted with Jesus. And the crowd and society, they all have a thought of who Jesus is. It says in John, well, let's start with Luke. They brought three indictments against Jesus. It says in Luke 23, starting at verse 2, they began to accuse him, saying, we found him, this man misleading our nation. That's number one. 
opposing payment of taxes to Caesar. That was number two. And saying that he himself is Messiah, a king. See, what the Jews knew is that Pilate was already on thin ice. He had had some political problems in the past. Rome was about getting money and keeping the peace. I don't want to hear any noise. It is your job to keep the people quiet and keep that money coming in. So when the Sanhedrin approached Pilate with this, they knew exactly what to say to pressure him. We're always pressured in situations and we have to make a determination where we are going to stand. The biggest threat of all was him saying he was king. That's why Pilate picked that as the charge he would address Jesus with. One of the things that I want you to notice about this whole story and in this series, we're going to kind of work through all the different things that happened during Passion Week. But Pilate had longer conversations with Jesus than just about anyone else that is recorded. He had proximity and he had access to God. The question becomes what he thought about God. See, Pilate, when he came, it says in, in John chapter 18, starting at verse 29, so Pilate came out to them, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, right? It's always going to be what a person says about Jesus that matters. If he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Jesus starts to have this conversation with Pilate. So Pilate told them, you, you take him and judge him according to your law. They said, it is not illegal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said, this is so... They said this so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. So back to what we talked about even with the song. This is all part of God's plan. Know that for every part of your life. This is not, this is not a fun situation he's going through. It's a necessary situation he's going through, just like me and you. Jesus answered, you are asking, let me go back. It is not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said this so that, that Jesus' words might be fulfilled, indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? Listen to what Pilate says. I'm not a Jew. Am I? 
Pilate replied, your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? So often, we want to remove ourselves because of what we think about ourselves and our identity that we believe, I don't have to deal with Jesus. Pilate is saying here, I'm not a Jew. What business of this is mine? We've conquered you. Everyone be quiet. Give, give the taxes you're called to give, and that's it. Not even considering that he is speaking to the king of the universe. Jesus says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. He's giving words of life here. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate answered. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this. And I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate's response is, what is truth? Back to what we spoke about in the beginning. If Pilate would have only known what that conversation could have meant for him. Pilate ended up killing himself years later. Pilate lost his post anyway. He could not preserve what God hadn't given him to maintain. Everything that we have, if we think that by denying Jesus, by being halfway in and halfway out, by not making a decision, by thinking we're just going to keep this lingering over here, that we're going to keep things status quo, we're making a big mistake. We know that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he asked them a more important question. Who do you say that I am? That's everything. Who do you say that I am? Pilate ended up caving under pressure. We have pressures every day. Pilate didn't want to risk his lifestyle, his comfort, his position, his money. It was said that Pilate wanted to solve the problem but not make a definite decision about Jesus. Pilate tried everything to have nothing to do with Jesus. So many of us do that. 
We try everything to have nothing to do with Jesus. Or we put ourselves in a place where we hang out in limbo. I'm not going to say for, I'm not going to say against, I'm not willing to give up my freedoms and be like all the way in, not recognizing that that is a prison. That is torment when you're in between those two places. Pilate had a situation before him, and they kept pressuring him and pushing him, but he made the wrong decision. Pilate had to hear about the crowds that Jesus was drawing, the miracles that Jesus was doing, the people that he was healing, raising those from the dead. But he was more concerned. This is the Passover. All these people are here. There's going to be a riot. I have to save my own neck at this time. And he said, I'm going to do what's expedient over what's right. What, what I think um, is the best thing for me to do to get myself out of this situation and maintain the status quo. And we have to often question ourselves, are we doing the same thing in other areas? If Pilate would have only known who this was standing before him. It says this in Revelations chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. I wept. And I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even look at it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which were seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and a golden bowl filled with incense, with which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song 
You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom of priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels around the throne and also the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousands plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say blessings and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne, to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. You can come up, worship team. When I thought about Jesus on trial in a physical way or on the hearts of men, and then I turn to the revelation that John had about heaven and what is to come and where Jesus presently sits. There are things that we know today about our tomorrows and that needs to affect every single thing we do. That needs to be such a comfort. That needs to bring us such a peace. That should have us so motivated, understanding we do have the victory. The battle is won. God is at work, and he is bringing all of this to his culmination. When I think about what this story showed us in terms of God's love for his people and what he was willing to do. And knowing this information, we always want to know, are my tomorrows secure? They're secure, saints. It's done. That vision is not some vision in the, that, that, that's not currently going on right now of Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to have pierced hands and feet for eternity, for us to remember who he is and what he's done. Because when they show pictures of Jesus, they say he's both the lion 
and the slotted lamb. So when they said, let this man's blood be on me and my children, we thank God for that blood. The Bible tells us when Jesus comes back, Revelation 1.5, it says, To him who loves us and has set us free from our sin by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. It says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. The one who is, who was, and who is to come. The Almighty. You cannot wash your hands of Jesus. Pilate wanted to solve a problem, but not make a definite decision about Jesus. Pilate tried everything to have nothing to do with Jesus. The series that we're going to be exploring is All Eyes on Jesus. What are we going to do with them? You may be here this day. And when this says even that those who pierced him will see him, it's because of sin that Jesus was pierced. Our sin, all of us, individually, all of us, collectively, We all have to make a determination what we're going to do with this Jesus. Pilate was there in that moment in time. Didn't recognize this is the God of the universe standing before me. And I'm having a conversation with him. God's word speaks. And it has power to save. And it cuts to the innermost in our hearts. Like Jesus said, when he spoke of truth, only truth cuts that way. So if you're here this day, and you don't know that God, and you didn't recognize the price that he paid for you, we can't come to him and our own righteousness because we're all guilty. This should be your day. Maybe this is the day that he opened your heart. A preacher can't do that. A parent can't do that for their child as much as they love them. There's only God who works from the inside. If that's you this day, we would love to pray with you. If you're ready to repent and recognize 
I'm at the end of myself. I need you, God. And I recognize that I want your blood to cover me because it is the payment for sin. Then God will start a work that he's already started in you this day. If that's you and you'd like us to pray for you, would you raise your hand and we can pray together? Would you stand, family? Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for stories like these that even sometimes seems hard to read. But recognizing that was love in action. That's what you did to show us who you are, to redeem us. You not only died for our sins, but you didn't deserve death. The wages of sin is death. We all deserve death. You never sinned, but you lived the perfect life. And as a substitute, took on our sin so we would be covered by your blood and made clean. You not only cleaned us, Lord, you imparted to us your righteousness, O oh God. You filled us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And you've called us to proclaim your truth with every breath that we have. We thank you for that, Lord. We love you because you first loved us. We know you because you've opened our eyes, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. Like we always read, Lord, we can have such a confidence, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, that you will bring to completion the good work that you started in each and every one of your children, Lord. Let us walk in a joy and a confidence and a peace, knowing that that picture that we just read in Revelations, one day we're going to be in that thousands of thousands and thousands before you, celebrating, worshiping you, casting down our crowns, O oh God because you are the only one who is worthy. But we thank you, Father, for what you've done in each one of our hearts this day. Help us, Lord. Give us a grace to glorify you with all our days. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.